The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... To the two-man power trip of wrestling i'm your host jp john pause with me today is a very special guest he's of course the current nwa world heavyweight champion former three-time WWE tag team champion four-time wlw champion he is of course mr trevor murdoch trevor welcome to the two-man power trip. how you doing i'm doing great john man thanks for having me on bud yeah no problem obviously you know you got a lot going on but what's going on in your world now you got the nwa shirt on what's going on Man, I am busy as all get out. Uh, you know, as NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, uh, there's constantly people interested in uh, wanting to take your title and wanting an opportunity to be World Heavyweight Champion. So my voicemail box is full. My emails are full. Um, there's a lot of great, talented people out there that uh, really want an opportunity to become World Champion. What did it feel like to actually win that title? Because obviously, you know, you're trained by Harley, Harley Race, legendary eight-time former NWA world champion. My God, the greatest wrestler on God's green earth. You were holding that same title that he held. What was the feeling and emotion behind it? Because you cut an awesome promo and it was an awesome match and everything else. But what was the feeling inside? Um, of course, beforehand, it was, I was a bundle of nerves. You know what I mean? You, uh, you sit there and you kind of go through a checklist in your head of, you know, can I do this? I've, I've talked the talk the whole time, you know, uh, Nick and I had almost, almost two and a half, almost three months buildup on, on this, uh, if not a little bit longer, I think. And, um, you get to that moment where it's like, all right, like the, the conversation, the talking, the, you know, all of that's out the door. Now you've got to prove it, uh, not only to yourself, but to the world, man. And to walk into the same building um, that Harley had wrestled in so many times, uh, so historic with, with that room. And um, to have Ric Flair there, to have my wife and kids there. Um, I grew up, uh, I was born in St. Louis. I started my career in St. Louis. I spent several years dedicated just to the St. Louis wrestling scene. Um, so to have a lot of my my peers there, a lot of my friends there, um, to see all of that was really like you couldn't have asked for a better moment 
Um, you couldn't have, I don't think you really couldn't have wrote it any better than what it was. Um, in my opinion, for, it was true wrestling magic. Um, people come to see and watch good versus evil and hopefully good prevails. And, um, that's the amazing thing about pro wrestling is we can take you on a roller coaster ride. And if you do it right, um, at the end of the day, everybody is emotionally connected and, and is happy with the results. And, um, that's what happened at 73, man. Dreams came true. Um, it was, it was a flip of emotions too. I know I'm, I'm running on here with this question, but, uh, there was excitement and nervousness beforehand. And then when I won the world title, uh, there's an immediate pressure goes on top of your shoulders because it's like, okay, now I am the world heavyweight champion. I am the top guy. I, I am the top of the mountain. I am number one. Um, now I'm, you know, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to make my stamp? How am I going to make my moment uh, as the NWA world heavyweight champion? How do I, how do I do that? And that's, that's where I was at that time. When you look at it, like you said, you're, totally st louis boy wlw harley you know it just works out perfect wrestling at the chase billy corgan obviously the owner very old school very good fan back in the day but obviously very good nwa owner he's really making the tradition important and to be in that building was so cool and so different because there hadn't been wrestling there and i don't know it was like i think it was 40 years or something like that so it's crazy 37 37 years actually wow. yeah so just awesome to kind of feel that moment. Are you totally in line with that? Like thinking of Billy, like we got to go old school. We got to kind of, you know, bring it back before we bring it forward. Um, I think here, I'm gonna move my chair here a little bit here. Sorry. Readjust. Um, the conversations I've had with Billy is, is the importance of melding, you know, mixing both of them together. Um, it would be silly for us to try are to not recognize our past and where we came from and where ultimately wrestling pro wrestling came from because the nwa is the longest running pro wrestling uh company a business in in the world like we're we're the originals we're the ogs everybody split off from us so i know it's important to the nwa um to not forget about that and to remind people about that but it's also um and for and for people to be familiar with that like a lot of these settings and stuff are are settings and, and places that people remember when they were younger as kids and they're passing that on to their children um or, but it's also important to remember like wrestling does evolve and wrestling you know for you to be uh it's just like anything else it changes with the times so we also want to let people know that we're still a modern pro wrestling. We still tell, you know, aggressive storylines. It's just when you see the men and women that step into the NWA ring, they tend to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, it's a, it's a whole lot. It's a stiffer style of pro wrestling. Um, that's why you don't see as many of the flips and the, the big high spots and everything, because, um, NWA, you know, we lay the wood to people and uh, it's hard to do that um, and still be able to to run 90 million different spots, per se. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. Another thing, too, is it's funny. JTG, who is no small man at all, 
He may be one of the smaller guys in NWA. I mean, it's all you're big. Obviously, Nick Aldis is big. Tyrus is a monster. I mean, Pope is is pretty big as far as just like a normal guy. A lot of other leagues have smaller guys. You guys really have like the real Matt, Chris Masters, Tom Latimer. I mean, these are all big dudes. We're we're very proud on the fact that we have grown ass men and women. Um, If you look. Let's just, if you want to look at it from, I guess, an analytical standpoint, um, majority throughout the years, your top guys, your superstars, your guys that were uh, putting on the best matches were seasoned individuals, were, were seasoned adults that had been through the business and perfected their craft, and they were able to give the people um, those great matches. Uh, Billy and the NW in the office of, of NWA, they all feel the same way that um, we want to give opportunities to younger guys and give them options and stuff. But the core group of men and women that step into the ring for NWA are are adults, grown men and women that have experienced life that have have, have I guess stepped into the ring uh, enough to to know what they're doing and they protect themselves, but also to be able to give the fans a different style match. Um, NWA and all the wrestlers that that wrestle for the NWA really truly feel like we are the best at what we do. Um, And, and we're very proud of that fact. And we work very hard to use that to make us stand out and be different than everybody else. Um, we are very, very, very proud of the fact that we've just got a bunch of grown-ass adults in there that know what they're doing and can put on a hell of a match for the fans. And speaking of Billy not that long ago, it seemed like that was more in line with what he likes traditionally in his wrestling product. Like he's Not not to say those guys aren't great athletes to do the flips and all no. other stuff, but yeah. it's not really kind of what it's in line with the NWA and what you guys are going after like even with promos it's not scripted you guys literally in the at the podium go it's like you may have bullet points or you may have something you need to say or want to say but it's not scripted and it comes off better promo wise i mean it's just a different standpoint of wrestling more traditional it's a very yeah it's a very unhinged i guess situation you know what i mean it's um i remember early conversations with uh billy and and again the officials at nwa um it's a sink or swim type of situation uh you got to go out there there is no music there's no smoke and, and lights and stuff to kind of hide you you you're basically handed the bare necessities and you go out there and you talk to the people and you you know what i mean you be real and if if you're not those things if you don't go out there and give them your heart like you'll see it you know what i mean there's been a few guys and gals that have failed but you know what i mean and they, you know, need to maybe get some more experience and then come back and, and hone their skills a little bit better. Uh, it's a very sink or swim. I keep repeating that because it is. It's a, every time I go out there, I've been with the company since it started power. You know, we're going on a little we're going on two years now. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, you walk out there. I still have to prove myself every time that Mike's handed to me. And um that's that's kind of the rawness. That's what I like about it. You know what I mean? It's that's in my opinion. That's how you create magic. That's how the fans get the most out of it. It's not somebody in the back trying to, uh, I guess, read a piece of paper and trying to maybe guess how the fans are feeling or reacting. 
Um, whereas for me, I'll go out there and I'll say things and, you know, it's almost like a little fishing uh, expedition for me. I go out there and throw out there a little bit of my bait and see what they're biting on and um, find out what's working and what's not working and go from there. Or if I'm just playing pissed off and, and not having a good day and I'm, I'm upset about legitimately upset about the situation, I, I can go out there and say that and not have to worry about repercussions in the back with the boss and stuff. It's, it's uh, his, um, his freedom goes both ways. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. He may, sometimes he gets what he wants and sometimes he gets more than what he asked for. Does that make any sense? Yes, definitely. Okay. I remember a while ago, like when Tim Storm first started feuding with Nick Aldis and they were really fighting over the NWA title. I was like, wow, this is like really, like you said, sink or swim. It's like you just throw Nick out there, you throw Tim Storm out there, like, yeah, I'm not that interested. Then they start cutting the promos back and forth. And, you know, this starts going longer and longer and they're going back and forth with each week. I was like, man, it's like, this is great buildup. I love it. Old school flair at the podium, Dusty at the other one, going back and forth, talking about their match, and, you know, Stark 84, Stark 85, you know, whatever. Just it felt had that old school cool feel to it i was like wow that now i'm actually invested in these guys even more so than i was before going in so i i love that from from billy and just the nwa in general because the promos can kind of you know sell the show like they should well and that's how wrestling works you should know what be, i mean yeah yep. everybody says you know what we're doing is innovative and all the other shit we're the wheels not you know the wheel works you know what i mean so why try to why try to fix it or change it you know what i mean um we do what we know works and, and what we do and we do it well. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we go out there to create an emotional connection with the fans and create um, a, a moment in time for them. Not just what was what we do in the ring, but like you said, with, with our, our promos and stuff. Um, we, one of the things I'm proud of, especially being world champion is I don't fit the mold of what I guess you would consider the, I guess the basics of a world champion. You know what I mean? There's, I'm not cut. I'm not jacked. Um, I'm just the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hardworking country boy that has, is a little too stubborn to quit. That's all it comes down to it. You know what I mean? Um, but what makes me happy is I'm able, I, there's people out there that look at me and go, man, I can do that. There's, you don't have to be, you know, six, six, you know, 270 pounds ripped full, you know what I mean? And cut and jacked and, and be this muscle bound, uh, gorilla to accomplish your goals in this business. Um, you can go out here and work your ass off and, and get your, take, make the best of your opportunities and, and work hard. And maybe one day you can be world champion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, uh, I'm no Dusty by any means. I'm never and never will I ever try to be Dusty. Never will I ever try to compare myself to Dusty. The only thing I've ever tried to do with Dusty is try to uh, chase after what he's, you know, he's laid a path for all of us. And I just tried to follow that path. And uh, I feel like I'm the closest thing to the common man that we've had in a very long time. You know what I mean? Um, I want people to know that you, you don't have to, to look like a superstar to be a world champion. If that makes any sense at all. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say it's almost like the Dusty Rhodes thing. Like he's been multiple time NWA champion. He, like he's not uh, Roman Reigns or like the John Cena or the Hulk Hogan body, so to speak. Not the you know like the the big muscular like Harley. Even I mean he was in great shape and stuff, but he's not this huge Jack muscular guy. Uh, Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk. I mean they they just look like real men who were great athletes, but you don't have to necessarily be like that. You know jacked up dude you know what i mean I, right. just a cool natural look uh, the greg valentine-esque where you're like oh this guy's just an ass kicker like you know what i mean like that look to you yep and that's that's who i am and you know <laughs> when i'm here at the house or when i'm out in front of you know out in the ring with that do you think that there's like pressure of like oh guys need to be in a certain shape and like obviously like everybody's in shape to a certain point but do you think that there's pressure like all oh, the guys need to be looking a certain way or jacked a certain way to, to kind of carry themselves yeah there's you know that's always going to be there you know especially in, it's pro wrestling you know what i mean um i know for me um it's i've, I've definitely started working out more and and hitting the gym more um and trying to drop more weight it, and it's not so much because of uh the way i look because I'll be honest with you, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks about how I look. I got a wife. I, I already impressed the one lady I needed to. Yeah. She lets the, you know, she lets me see her naked. So everybody else, I don't care about. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't yep. need to impress anybody else but her, um, and she's happy with that. But um, the focus more so with the gym and hitting more cardio is because I'm going up against some better talent. You know what I mean? I'm the world champion, so. I need to be able to, at one one way or another, keep up with those guys, and um, at the very least, uh, make what I do what, my strengths even stronger. Um, and one of one of those strengths is I can take a hell of an ass whooping. Um, again, I'll repeat, I'm too damn stubborn to quit, and uh, it gets a lot of guys frustrated. And it, um, I, I really work hard on my cardio end of it. And that's another thing that, that really surprises guys about me is like how I can just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. And, and so far it's worked out really well with me. I've been able to, I've been able to outwin them. Yeah. So what is your thought just on, on the Nick Aldis feud and kind of the buildup to 73? Cause to me, great buildup, almost thought you had two occasions where you may win the world title, you got screwed. Nice old school style booking there, which like you tease, you tease, and then you pull the trigger at the right moment, you know, you know booking wise, just as far as like, okay, 73rd anniversary with flair there with your history there. I mean, just meant more there than it would be in another place. But I love the buildup to it. Cause it was old school in a sense where they kept teasing. You were going to win. It's like, nah, now nah, this guy's not going to win. They keep screwing him over. Aldis keeps screwing him over. Well, and that's, um, again, that goes back to the basics of when it comes to storytelling and pro wrestling, uh, we, we look like we're innovative and we look like we're doing something new when uh, in all reality a lot of the other companies are so far left that when we do something right it just looks like oh man they're they're creating some some new and inventive shit uh again i can't repeat this anymore it's it's what it's the wheel bro it, it if there's a certain way of doing things and we have enough of our history to look back on to see what works and what doesn't work and we we did that you know what i mean it was uh just like with me coming back into the business two years ago it was the people that wanted this ultimately if the people would have would have you know would have not gotten behind me and not 
not really were, uh, you know, very, you know, spoke and, and was very voiceful in their opinion about me. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, um, uh, talking to you about wrestling or being world champion. Um, that whole thing really kind of took its life of its own. And um, it was one of those things that just naturally and organically happened. And, and it's what was pro wrestling was supposed to be about is that emotional connection, that feel good creating moments in time. Uh, my son coming, just let's just talk about me on a personal level. My, yeah. I had my, my two sons and, and my daughter couldn't make it, but uh, my wife was there. And my 15-year-old son has been with me. I've, I brought him everywhere throughout the pro wrestling business. So he has seen the lows and he's seen the highs. And that night I created a memory with him, for him and with him, that he'll never forget. I can, I can peacefully walk out of this earth right now and know that my son will always tell my grandchildren about that moment or tell buddies about that moment. Because even still to this day, he talked, you know, well, he still talks about it. You know what I mean? It, uh, it was a dream come true. And we created a moment, not only, hold on just a moment here. Hey, boy, be quiet. Daddy's on a podcast. I don't want to hear it. Sorry about that. Got to do daddy duty. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but we created a moment there. You know what I mean? That, that not only my son, but the whole world. We'll, we'll never forget man that's got to be pretty awesome like seeing uh, your dad is like the conquering hero in front of you know thousands of people and they're all popping like crazy i mean that's a really cool moment he definitely was the cool kid when he went to school that monday <laughs> my dad is the nwa world heavyweight champion like he's the hero he's the man right now well and he um what made it really special too is the fact that he had spent so much time with harley like his Harley made it, you know, he was Pappy. He wasn't Harley. He wasn't eight time India, but he was Pappy. Uh, I, Harley was at the hospital when my son was born and got to hold my son before my dad did wow. it. Uh, you know, he, Harley was at my wedding. Um, Harley was there for virtually everything, including my son. So my son knew how important the world title was to me and knew um, the history and, and the moment that that, how important that moment was. Um, and it was important for him to not only see somebody he looked up to and cared about Harley, but now seeing his dad holding that same world title, um, was, I, was just a moment that, uh, most men don't get with their children anywhere, you know, and, uh, it's, it's a memory that my son and I will always have together for the rest of my life. Very, very cool. I mean, that, that's awesome. And, the Harley race connection is great. Uh, a few years ago, really was his last ever convention. We were in Philly and he was set up next to, I brought in uh, Ronnie Garvin, obviously former NWA world champion in his own right. And uh, Harley's there. He's in the wheelchair, but Leland had asked if, we, you know, help because we were set up next to him, if we could help get him in and get everybody situated and everything else. So Harley like turns to me and goes, where are we? And I was like, Oh, this is Philly. And he's like, look around. He's like, still a shithole. I was like, Oh my God. Harley is awesome. Like he's cutting a heel promo on Philly. Uh, like still. And you know, he's supposed to be the baby face, but it's funny. Um, I was talking to somebody recently, like, no, that's Harley. He'll always kind of be like that, that like stiff kind of heel guy. But I thought that was great. I was like, wow, he's even healing Philly now. And he's you know, like, <laughs> 2018, awesome. whatever it was. Yeah, it was really funny. And then, uh, Ronnie Garvin, I said, to him i said hey 
do you think that, you know, you could beat up Harley? You guys are known as like two of the tough guys. I meant really in their prime, but he's looking at right, him, Harley. Harley's in, in his wheelchair and he goes, nah, he goes, I still don't think I could take him. So I was like, oh, that's hilarious. He's, he's taking me as if it's now. I meant like it is right. But he was saying Harley probably would have took him, even though Garvin's got those bear claws for, for hands. But he said that Harley probably could have taken him. I've never met a wrestler that wrestled Harley that has said, yeah, I could, I could take him. You know Even what Haku. I, mean? I asked Haku. Haku said no. No. And that's and Haku is the only other one that Harley would say, like, you wouldn't take him. But Harley would tell you, you know, Haku would give me a run for my money. You yeah. know what I mean? That's That was the mutual respect both of those men had for each other. I love that, though. Like, the two uh, tough guys, they know they're tough, but they don't, like, flaunt it or, like, say, like, oh, I'm kicking everybody's ass or whatever. They just they just know, like, hey, you're going to be in for a fight. I've never met a badass who told me he was a badass before he kicked my ass. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy when a guy comes up and decides to give me his run sheet of what he, he has done or hasn't done or is going to do to me. Um, because usually it's those guys that are probably not the toughest man in the room. Um, Harley was one of those men that could just give you a look and you would know that you probably fucked up. You know, that's, <laughs> there's not too many men in this world that have that power, but also have that power and is able to back it up as well. Really, Harley is, is, is a legitimate tough guy, but also... He put everything together to make himself a great NWA champion. When he's training you and you're like, like going through with him, what's like the best piece of advice like he's given you? Um, his Harley's biggest thing was, and he told me on her time is to make them believe kid. You know what I mean? And it, and that came down from when, as soon as you walk through that door, that curtain, you're on, you know what I mean? Everybody in the room is looking at you. Um, and you have to remember that and you have to go out there and give the fans 110% because if you don't like eventually, like those fans won't be there. Like that's his whole thing was, it didn't matter if there was 50 fans or a hundred fans or there was 500 fans, give them something to talk about and make them believe in what you're doing. Um, so to do that, to get to that point, we would have to spend you know, five to six days a week in his training center after we had all had to work all day. You know, everybody had a, had a shoot job. So you would go into training about 5.30 and start at 6. And, you know, training would end technically at 9, but we wouldn't get out of there until, you know, 10 and 10.30 most nights because we just kept pushing each other and, and pushing ourselves and always – um, if Harley was there, we'd want to have a match and show him what we were doing and um, to, for him to critique it or to have an idea to make it better. Um, the great thing about when we were wrestling for, for Harley and training with Harley, he was running his own shows, his own promotion. So um, the first five years of WLW, we averaged between 78 and 80 shows a year. And for an independent, that is this now, this is two years before ROH has even had their first show. You know what I mean? Um, so to run 78 and 80 shows a year for the first five years is huge. 
Um, so we would get to go to the school and work on that stuff and run 20, 30 minute singles matches and then be able to incorporate that into the shows for that weekend um, and really kind of use it as on the job training. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and a lot of guys didn't have that. Um, and not, not only were we wrestling those 78 to 80 shows a year for Harley, whatever dates we had open, because we were Harley guys, we were able to fill those, the other dates that were open. So, you know, on an independent level, it wasn't nothing for us for the first, uh, the first five years to, to average about 130 shows, 140 shows a year, because we were getting other bookings from other independents because the other companies knew, knew us as Harley guys. So they knew they were getting good workers. You know what I mean? There was, we had Harley stamp on our back. And so that automatically would get us into a lot of these companies um, where other guys had to, you know, either, you know, figure out other avenues to get in and may not get looked at the first time. Um, all, all they knew is, oh, that's a Harley guy. Okay. And we, we had a lot of pride in that. You know what I mean? Uh, guys like me, uh, Matt Murphy, Superstar Steve, Wade Chisholm, uh, Dennis McCall, Johnny Jett, uh, there was a, a group of guys out of Harley's camp that we knew like we were the, the Harley guys. And so we had a lot of pride. And in, in when we go to the promotions and everybody's those are Harley guys and they'd ask us a lot of questions and get, you know, just try to learn from us as well too. Um, we liked that. You know what I mean? Like we, we like to have that image and we like those guys calling Harley and going, man, you guys killed it this weekend for me. Thank you. You know what I mean? It was Harley was, I wouldn't say pimping us out, but he, he would, you know, other promotions would call him and go, yeah, I'd like to have this guy, this guy, and this guy. Go, okay. That's great. You know what I mean? I'll call them and, and Harley would, would negotiate our fee for us to get us more money because who's going to argue with Harley race when he tells yeah. them, you know, my guys are worth this and this is what they'll get paid. <laughs> 99% of the time the promoter's like, okay. Uh, that was a big deal for us with uh, Harley. I mean, it's awesome because it's like a badge of honor. Like you're a Harley guy. You know what I mean? It's like that mm -hmm. stamp of approval. Yes. Now it, you, you carried a lot of pride with it. I still do too. I still do too today. <laughs> now you mentioned before, and then obviously you had retired at one point. Why did you retire? And then you kind of mentioned you coming back, but why did you retire? And, and did the NWA ask you to come back or like, was it Billy and Nick Aldis? Like, why did you retire? And then why did you come back? It was, um, what was it? We're talking 2019, 2018. Um, yeah, around 2000. I think it was right around the end of 2018. Um, Harley had been getting really sick and uh, really um, slightly taking, you know, kind of, you know, the good Lord was, things were getting to a time where he, he wasn't doing very well health wise. And we were spending a lot of time with, with him in that aspect. So I wasn't focusing so much on my career. Um, my wife, I've got, you know, I've got a daughter in college. I've got a son going, you know, at the time he was about the eighth grade, um, had a three-year-old. Uh, it just felt like, you know, it was time for me to kind of start slowly fading out of pro wrestling. Uh, I use the, the phrase, I was a, a round peg in a square world. Um, hmm. Because I'm not, 
again, I'm not what you would, your average, what you would consider what a pro wrestler looks like. You know what I mean? And uh, I just felt like, you know, maybe it's time for me to start stepping away. And then when Harley passed away, uh, at the time, I felt like, okay, like that's the end of an era because I'm, I was the first student at Harley school and now I am here at his funeral, um, carrying him as a pallbearer to his final resting place. And, uh, I just felt like, man, that's almost a little bit of a sign for me, maybe at the time to say, okay, it's time to hang it up. You know, no one will blame me for hanging it up. I've for a guy come from, you know, St. Louis and from a small town in Fredericktown, Missouri, I've done some amazing stuff. So, you know what I mean? I really can't couldn't complain about a career. Um, but at Harley's funeral, um, and this was some class act shit too, uh, the NWA and Billy Corrigan sent two representatives, the current at the time, uh, world heavyweight champion, world's heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis, and the executive producer at the time, Dave Lagana. And they came to the funeral to pay their respects and represent NWA, which I thought was, that's some classy shit, boys. You know what I mean? And I thank them for that. And um, towards the end of the funeral, I, I kind of got cornered by both those guys and Nick. And he's like, uh, you know, so what are you doing these days? And I explained it to him. And he goes, you, you got like, bro, you need to come on. Like, come to Atlanta and do one show. Like, even if, even if we don't have you wrestle, you can be a producer, man. There's no sense in letting your experience and your talents go to waste. He goes, but, you know, I, I think you're crazy for, for saying that you're done, you know, but come to Atlanta. And it took him, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes because, you know, I just didn't want to start something that I didn't think I could fulfill or give my heart to like I should, you know what I mean? Uh, but they pushed and pushed and, and, uh, Maybe Nick's kicking his his own ass a little bit now, <laughs> but I said, yeah, right. I said, I, I, I'm, I'll come to Atlanta and, um, I didn't expect to wrestle. I was, I was expecting to be a producer. The phone calls I had had between the time that said, yes, I'm going to come and me actually flying in, everything led towards me being a producer and, um, helping in the back. And when I got there, the first thing Dave Lagana said was, do you have your gear? And man, I'm, I'm an old school pro wrestler. I bring my gear everywhere I go. Yep. And I said, of course. And he goes, okay, you got a match with Ricky Starks tonight. And that was my first match. And, um, from there, bro, it just, uh, the fans, like the fans really gave me a great reaction and, um, really made me feel good. And I, and I walked through the curtain in the back and, uh, Billy Corgan standing there and Nick standing there, Dave Lagana's there. And they're like, man, you got so much more in the tank. He goes, you'd be, you'd be crazy if you stopped now. And they said, we're going to have you wrestle tomorrow. And I said, okay. And it just, you know, just took off like that, man. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where like I've worked my whole career and I've had so many um, opportunities that were put in front of me and then got taken away from me for one reason or another, or uh, just some sort of horse shit, political backstage bullshit. Um, this felt natural and right and organic in, in every sense of the word, you know, and from the, the day that I got my first match with Ricky Starks a year later, I was NWA national champion 
And then, you know, I think it was a couple within a couple of weeks from there, a year later from that, I'm NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Uh, it's been a roller coaster, bro, and it's it's been so fulfilling and make me so happy that that I can represent the NWA and I can re- represent uh, the blue collar folks out there that are working their asses off that that sometimes don't get what they deserve. At the very least, they know that, um, like, just keep pushing forward because there is the light at the end of the tunnel. There is a payoff, man. The cream does rise to the top. <clears throat> we just can't let, you know, these obstacles beat us. And and I hope that I'm, I give somebody some sort of encouragement, motivation that are dealing with some, some tough shit in their lives and going through some struggles. At the very least, they can look at my fat ass and go, if that motherfucker can do it, I can do it. Come on. You know what I mean? And um, because it, I feel like I know this sounds slightly cliche, um, but I feel like I'm the American dream. Not Dusty. I'm talking about the idea. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, it, it's not going to be handed to you. It's not it's not going to be um, it's not going to be easy. But if you if you truly want something and and you work hard for it and you don't take no for an answer and you keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing, eventually you will accomplish your goals. You will make it, whether it be a promotion at work, whether it be um, having a, a relationship with your children, a better relationship with your kids, whatever it may be. Um, Sometimes the good guys can win if you work hard enough. Great. And a great story too, because think about where you were and then where you are now and how basically you know, Nick Al has been champion for over a thousand days. It just, just seemed like the odds were stacked against you in more ways than one. Yeah, he's six, four, six, five, whatever he is. He's chiseled. He's, he looks like he's unbeatable. And you come along as you know the American dream, so to speak, and, and beat him. So it's a very cool storyline. I really, uh, really liked it, and it kind of where you came to where you are now. Right on, thank you. With you though, it's funny. Like if you go back a ways, like when I always think about you, I always think for some reason. Don't kill me here though. It's like the Dup Cup and the Dups. <laughs> and, like I always think, like oh my god, like so funny to think like that. And then like no, he fits more as the NWA World Champion, but. But he's also awesome when he was doing the Dub Cup. Like, you know, you could kind of play both roles. I know that was almost 20 years ago now, but right. I just always think about that. Like, that's so funny that, that you know, you're one of the Dubs and playing that role in that character because it was so silly in so many ways. It was, and that was what it was meant to be. Um, it, hopefully this is another inspirational moment for guys in the business to, to know that, you know, you, you may not be handed some of the greatest uh, – uh, moments in your life but you go out there and you make the best of it you know what i mean and and do something to create a moment and memories so even if you're not in the main event at the very least the people can walk away and go i remember what you know they're talk about you you know what i mean and that's that's what the whole deal was with was being stand up was i knew i wasn't going to be world champion i knew i wasn't going to be a, a featured player per se but I could do something that the people would remember. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, and just, just, you know, just like anything else, I've evolved and been able to find myself in a better situation where now I'm the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and I'm trying to make that 
special and make that a moment too. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me like, what, how am I going to be different than Nick Aldis and as world champion? And I, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be as articulate as Nick when it comes to speaking. I'm never going to be as pretty as Nick when it comes to looks. <laughs> God gave me a body for working, folks. I got a mirror. I know this. <laughs> uh, but what I am hoping to bring is a certain amount of brutality and aggression in my matches that we haven't quite seen from the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Um, I'm I'm willing to take a shot to give a shot, if that makes any sense. I'm I'm willing to stand in there and 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 throw gun, you know, throw hands and see who the better man is at the end of it, who can take you know the most. Um, that's where a lot of my, you know, with me going to Japan and living there for six months and training over there in the Noah Dojo, I'm going to bring a lot of that aggression to the world title. And that's how I'm going to stand out. Uh, will it, will it be a good ending for me? I hope so as world champion, but it's going to, I'm a, you know, again, I'm not afraid to get my ass whipped um, to make sure I win at the end of the, as strange as that sounds, uh, Muhammad Ali, one of his his biggest, uh, I guess, game plans was to let a guy, buy, you know, punch himself out. That tends to work for me. Uh, I'm a big guy, and uh, I can I can handle a lot of pain, and I'll let a guy use me for a for a punching bag for a little bit and, and do what I got. Yeah, yeah. and uh, let's just hope that you know the guys that I'm wrestling don't figure that out, uh, and we'll go from there. <laughs> With Harley, kind of mentioned him. He was the connection to the Noah Dojo as well, right? I mean, he's the one that kind of got you in there as well. Yeah, they um actually they actually came over here to the states and and was looking for talent, and we had to go into our school and and get in our gear while uh, Masawa uh, and Vader sat in these chairs and just watched our match with no fans or nothing. No pressure. And, uh, just two of the none, greatest of all time. None no at all. Yeah. yeah. And then, of <laughs> course, you had, you know, some of the Japanese uh, uh, young boys that came with them, guys like Marfuji, Kenta, uh, yep. guys that we had been watching knew how talented they were. You know what I mean? So uh, they came in and they, they picked a handful of us guys. And a lot of us uh, started having tours over there. And they quickly realized that we needed a little bit more training time to adapt to their style. Um, we were young guys that were trying to wrestle. It's funny. It, it's what works now and what's over in, in Japan now. We were trying to wrestle an American style in a Japanese company. And at that time, it just wasn't translating well. Uh, so a couple of the guys were chosen to go to the dojo. Um, I was one of those guys. They had actually asked all all four of us after the because we each had to go individually. So we were by ourselves over there for three months in the in the dojo, going to training every day, 500 squats a day, 300 push-ups a day, 100 150 bumps a day, three-minute neck bridges. You had to do neck exercises. It was very strenuous and really made you toughened you up, made you a man. Um, but they had asked all the other three guys after they got done with their stage they wanted to come back for another three months out of all four guys i was the only one that said yeah i'll go back for another three months because i knew physically i was never going to be a jacked up you know cut up specimen 
over in Japan, as long as I was a big guy and I could handle myself and still go, I could be a world champion over there. So that's where I planned on making my career. So I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'll come back for another three months and do the, the exact same thing. And it, and I did, and it got me in way a great shape. You, you know what I mean? I was in the best shape of my life over there. And it was one of those experiences that I was like, I'm a young guy. I'll never be able to do this again. I might as well take advantage of it. Uh, not to mention somebody else was paying for it. So why not? You know what I mean? Like, why not do it? And uh, it turned out to be the greatest opportunity for me in pro wrestling because I actually came back and uh, Harley got me a, a WWE tryout with uh, about three or four weeks after I got back. And uh, I had been up there and tried out before with them. And I was just there to collect $250 and eat some badass catering and be a fan, you know right. what I mean? And see yeah. all the boys. So uh, when we got there to the tryout, I seen um, uh, Chris, Chris Benoit out there doing 500 squats before the show. And that was his warm up. And I knew how popular Chris was in Japan. And I knew what a big fan of Harley's he was. They had a connection there. Uh, so I, got into my my workout gear and i slid into the ring and you know i'm fresh from the dojo virtually three weeks so i'm extremely flexible and i'm doing these uh net bridges where i look like virtually the mcdonald's arches you know what i mean and chris yeah, is looking yeah. up at me and i do these butterfly stretches where um, i have a guy stand behind me and put one knee on one foot on each knee and would take my legs and, and touch the mat um and it got his attention and he came over and, you know, he's like, have you been to Japan? And I was like, yes, sir. And I just laid out my resume, you know, for like 15 minutes. We talked about Harley and Japan and the dojo and all this other. And uh, he said, do you got a match tonight? And I said, no. Nope. He goes, wait right here. Wait, just, just wait right here. And about 10 minutes later, he came back and he was like, all right, kid, you know, they got a match. You got a match tonight. Show them what you got. And walked away like it was nothing. And, uh. It at that moment is when it got serious for me because I had been there. I'm, I'm not joking, eight or nine different times, and they had paid me no attention. You know, I always got the, you know, good job, kid, pat on the back. You right. know what I mean? But nobody yeah. ever said, you know, we're calling you or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> now I've got all the attention of, of someone that can make a decision for my life, for my career. And uh, sure enough, I wrestled Rob Conway that night and, and had a great match with him. Uh, they invited me back that night to wrestle in SmackDown on that Tuesday, which that's when they taped it for Tuesday. They taped it on Tuesday, but aired it, I think, Thursday, I think it was. And um, I wrestled uh, Rene Dupree and had a really good match with him. And uh, I was stoked. I was happy. I was like, man, this is great. I made 500 bucks. I, I, I ate well. I was an indie guy. So, you know, you got, sometimes you didn't eat the best yeah. sometimes, you know. Um I got back into the locker room, I'm changing, and Johnny Ace comes in the back, and he's like, you know, I want to talk to you when you get done. And I, at first, I was like, oh, shit, like, what did I do? You know what I mean? Because nobody had ever came to like that. You know what I mean? Nobody important like that came to talk to me. So I thought I screwed up. And uh, I ended up going into his office, and we are talking for about 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, he goes, you know, do you want a job here? And I was like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And uh, he goes, okay, give me your, you know, your address and your phone number, and uh, I'm gonna send you a contract and have your uh, have your lawyer look at it, sign it, and send it back, you know. And I, 
I'm like, oh, of course, I'll have my lawyer look at it. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm an independent guy. You know, I'm struggling to make rent sometimes, you know what I mean? Me have a lawyer, I'll go, yeah, yeah, of course. And um, sure enough, man, uh, man, I'm so happy. There's There was probably seven or eight of us WLW guys that were there that day. And we all got in the van and, you know, everybody's happy for me and stuff. And I call up Harley and it's 11 o'clock at night and, you know, he's in bed and, uh, you know, I'm Harley, Harley, it's Trevor. What do you want? <laughs> and, uh, I said, you know, I got a job, I got a job. And he goes, where? <laughs> I said, with WWE. And he goes, what? And I said, yeah, I said, they offered me a developmental deal tonight. I said, I'm going, you know, I'm going to Louisville. And uh, he, there's this long pause, and he goes, don't tell fucking anybody about this until you've signed the contract. And I was like, all the boys, Harley, are in the band. I got you on speaker. Like, they're, you know, like, <laughs> they all know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he goes, can they all fucking hear me? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, none of you cocksuckers say a fucking word until Trevor signed the contract. And of course, all the boys awesome. respected Harley, you know, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Of course, we would never do that. And, you know, I was so blessed. All those guys kept their word. You know what I mean? Nothing got out when it wasn't supposed to. And um, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's how quickly it happened for me, you know, going to WWE. I was had tried eight or nine different times, planned on going to Japan, making my career there because I didn't think they had any any interest in me. And as soon as I get back. As soon as I'm not looking at them, they want me. Of course. You know what I mean? Isn't that the way it always goes? Uh, yeah. And um, they, Johnny said that he wanted me down in OVW in four weeks. And I said, I have a wife and well, a girlfriend and kids at the time. And uh, I said, I don't have the money just to pick my family up and move them to Louisville. And uh, he's like, do you have, you know, it's $5,000 enough? And I thought, yeah, man, like shit, I'm, I can run cheap. Five hundred dollars would be enough, but I'll take your five grand. You know, and uh, we're packing up. And about two weeks into us packing up, I get a call. Uh, they said they're going to bring me in and tag me with this guy named Lance Cade. Uh, I'm going to tag with Lance for two two shows, and then the next weekend, Lance is going to tag with Kevin Thorne and see what Kevin looks like with Lance and the tag team, and whoever is the best team is going to go on to the road on the road. And I knew Lance had known Kevin from OVW. So I just assumed they're pals. So to me, this was just a, just a technicality. You know what I mean? I'm just coming up to wrestle and I'm gonna go back home, continue to pack and, and go down to Louisville. And, uh, I had the two, we had the two, two shows, me and Lance tagged and we got to the back and Johnny A stopped Lance and I, and he said, we're not going to bring in Kevin next week. Uh, Lance, you wrestled with Kevin down in OVW. Lance, you wrestled with Trevor the last two days. Who do you think you'd have a better tag team with? We need to know right now. And uh, Lance, you know, manned up and said, I think I got better chemistry with Trevor. I think I'd have a better team with Trevor. And he goes, all right, you guys are on the road. Trevor, don't worry about going down to OVW. And wow. that next week, we're, we're doing live events. And I am still living in the same town that, you know, I never left Eldon. You know what I mean? I I drove to St. Louis, which is two and a half hours each way every week to uh, fly out and go wrestle. Uh, so I <clears throat> virtually one night and then it went from uh, 
Harley, we had just thankfully had booked an Eldon show where I live at um, within the time that I was leaving. And Harley brought in Dusty. And I had a farewell match on a Friday. And my vignettes aired for me being a new tag team that Monday on WWE Raw. Awesome. What a like quick whirlwind. Who the hell knew that was going to happen like kind of moment? It's the classic being ready at for anything at any time at any moment. You know what I mean? You never know when you're going to get the call. Just make sure that you're ready when they do. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and it's funny. I had maybe been a heel in my career maybe six months at that time. Uh, and we're, I've been wrestling for like 10 years at that moment. Um, I get up to WWE and they asked me to do the one thing that I had the least amount of experience in was be a heel. Uh, so I, I call Harley up and I'm nervous. You know what I mean? I'm working for the, the biggest company in, in pro wrestling, the biggest pro wrestling company in the world. And I explained to him, Harley, they want me to be a heel and I've, I got to go on TV and be a heel. And I've, I don't have, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with that. And uh, the best advice he gave me was, do you know what you want the heel to do to you when you're a baby face? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, then just do that. <laughs> and, hmm. and it's, it's the basic, most basic like response you can give, but it's the most honest and straightforward. Like it's, yeah, right. All right. Like I know as, as, as a baby face, I know how I want my ass. I know how I want you to kick my ass. I, you know what I mean? I know what works and doesn't work. I know what kind of reactions we can get. And so he, he simplified it for me. And as soon as he put it like that to me, I was like, okay, like this is, that's when, you know, you got the lip and the, you know, um, as a heel, I didn't want to be cool. I didn't want to be likable. I didn't want to be a, you know, a cool heel. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be somebody that you could actually see in your town, in your city that you knew he's just one of those guys. Like you just, let's just not mess with that guy. All right. Let's just, I, I know, I know a hundred of them that they're just individuals that don't, they don't look like they're a badass. They don't, they don't project. They don't tell people that they're a badass, but they are. And everybody knows somebody like that. They, they, everybody knows that one guy, like I, uh, I'm a tough guy, but I'm just not going to mess with him. That's what I wanted to project. I wanted to project the guy that you could see on the, at, at home, but also like, let's just not mess with him. And I didn't want to be pretty. I didn't want to be clean. Like physically, obviously, you know, I, I wanted good hygiene, but I just didn't want to be the, the cookie cutter pro wrestler that everybody was used to seeing. I wanted to just be this vicious, dirty, mean, ugly heel, especially when you're standing next to a guy who's, you know, six, seven, 280 pounds, jacked, looks amazing and can move like a cruiserweight. I wanted to be the opposite of what he was, but still be the same. If that made any sense. Yeah. Perfect compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And vice versa for him and me. You know what I mean? It was, we really, uh, sweet and sour is the, the best way I could describe it. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, we, we fit that mold well, especially, um, as a team, but you could also split us up and you'd still have two different guys that you could do stuff with. But when you put them together, you had this amazing tag team as well, too. 
that's what I always believed with Lance and I. Like I, I hated the fact that they they had us run through the stupid little split up. You know, when we were there, I was like, just let us go off to our own destination. So when you do need a tag team, you can you know Power Ranger that shit up and you know bring us together and and we can move forward and then split us up and let us go in our different directions when when necessary. But Powers to be didn't see that. They always do that, like the generic, like, oh, we're going to split them up kind of thing. They they always, always, I don't know why they go to that well so much, but they do. It's worked, and and sometimes it's worked, sometimes it it doesn't. That's that's where they, like, that's one of the big differences between them and NWA is the fact that NWA trusts their wrestlers, and when they give an opinion, they listen to them and go, okay, these guys are the ones doing it and feeling it. We we can feel it. We can Let's go with it and let's give it a try. And, you know, whereas um, the other place, everything's so micromanaged and you've got 10 people telling the same person 10 different things, and that guy's got to decipher through all that horse shit and find the right way. And it just makes your job harder. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to trust the boys, you know, and yep. and, and not be so rigid and it's got to be a certain way because you could tell on television, like, oh, this isn't working. The guy's not into it. You know, certain things is like, man, it's like, why go in that direction? And the boss wants it. That's what he's going to get, even though the talent is not going to give it his all. So yep. either whether it's consciously or subconsciously, they're not going to give it their all. Well, if, if uh, uh, they say that the greatest gimmicks characters whatever is uh the guy or the gal it's a little piece of them just turned up a hundredfold you know what i mean and sometimes we're put in positions to do things that just would never we would never do you know what i mean and make uh no sense at all um it's hard to project that as being real and make and convince other people when you don't feel it and, and you know what I mean? It's yep. uh, again, I go back to the NWA with their guys and then what they do with us is everything I'm talking about. I feel because I'm the one that's coming up with it. I'm the one that's coming out of my mouth. Um, a lot of guys uh, will try to, you know, they try to kind of when they're going out there and they've got a point they want to make, they'll, they'll go through, maybe a certain point they're trying to get across in the back of their head and you'll see them walking through, walking through it in the back. Um, whereas for me, I can't do that. Like it doesn't, I can't project something that doesn't feel real and natural for me. So a lot of times, like when I cut my promos, there may be stutter steps in what I'm saying. It's because I'm, I'm saying it off the cuff. Like it's what's coming out of my mouth is just as, uh, a shock or just as new to me as it is to everybody else, because it's, it's happening in the moment. Um, and, and to me, that's the only way you can create real magic is letting things progress and happen in the moment. Let them be real and organic. With you and the, the WB was the high point winning the tag titles with landscape. I mean, a few times, but is that the, the high point there? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I had a little singles run where I got to wrestle Ric Flair yep. or um, headed towards the IC title. Uh, but that goes back to what I was saying earlier about some sort of political backstage horseshit. Um, that was just randomly cut and like the angle just got dropped one week. I'm wrestling Rick 
the next week I'm I'm not doing nothing and Rick's wrestling somebody else. Uh, it's hard for a wrestler, for anybody, to get in, get behind any company if you don't feel like that company is behind you and believes in you. And I'm not, that's not just for pro wrestling. That's for everybody's day job. That's for the corporate. That's for a construction. If you don't feel like your boss or the company you work for believes in you, and is standing behind you and at the very least give you the respect to come talk to you and explain things to you when things change for you you can't really give a hundred percent you're never really going to maximize that person's potential because they feel like whatever they do is pointless and and that's where it got for me towards the end with wwe was like it didn't matter how good i could do something what moments i could create it still wasn't gonna uh, it still wasn't going to get the attention or the appreciation, or at least the, it wasn't going to give me the opportunities to get bigger opportunities. You know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, you know, when it was time for me to resign my deal, um, it was just, I just didn't want it. You know what I mean? And it was easier for me to say, I just don't want to sign it than say I quit. You know what I mean? And then two days later, they put out the message WWE has, uh, has let go Trevor Murdoch and we wish him well in the best future endeavors. Um, I just wasn't happy. Not to mention, I just, my son was, was three years old at the time and everything that I was seeing uh, about him, his first steps, first words, all of that was on video. You know what wow. I mean? And yeah, it was really eating me alive that I was working for a company that I wasn't happy for away from my family, which didn't make me happy. And it just wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't the trip I signed up for. And, um, so that's why like everybody's, you know, I've had a ton of people ask me like, how come you never went back to WWE? I went back for one show and that was just because I was in town and I was, I was in the back and they were, Hey, listen, we need somebody to wrestle. Uh, I was Jay Uso. And I was like, fuck, I'll do it. Um, but I never pushed to go back because I, I didn't want to be a part of that life anymore. You know what I mean? I didn't want to be in a situation where somebody was controlling my schedule 100% all while I've got my children at home growing up going, I hope dad gets to come home this week. Um, that was one of the common things like I would hear from guys like Art Anderson, Ricky Steamboat, Mike Rotunda, uh, even you know Barry Windham when he was there for a little bit. They all had the same virtual, the same story with their kids and how distant they were to a certain extent with their children. And I was just, it was all adding up to going, man, this thing, this is not a dream. You know what I mean? This, so a uh, part of me was extremely nervous about leaving WWE, but the other part of me was extremely happy and relaxed and comfortable. Uh, just, just so I, I knew I could spend time with my family and get that right. So as we head towards the finish, we hit the wind down here. What's next? I know you guys did some NWA TV tapings when you were down in uh, St. Louis too, but what's next? Uh, right now, I um, actually, I've had a gentleman. Well, we just did a a special uh, called By By Any Means Necessary in Oak Grove, Kentucky. And um, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it much here. I'm going to make a public statement about it. Uh, but Mike Knox attacked me at the end of that show and I need to address him, uh, about that 
but I'm going to end up, I've, I've been asked to do that when I've got my thoughts put together a little more. Um, he got, he got handsy with, with my son, um, which is, is never a good thing uh, when it comes to a man and his children. Um, so I, I, I think that's, I think that's something I'm going to have to tackle here soon. Uh, I also have, I have some, <clears throat> some autograph signings coming up. Uh, but for me, it's, it's, man, I, I'm the world heavyweight champion. And it's different for me because I've always been the one looking for the fight. Um, I've always the one looking for the, the next best match. Uh, now it comes to me, you know, I'm, I'm the one sitting on top of the mountain. I'm the one, I'm the one that has what everybody wants. I'm the world heavyweight champion. So if, if you want an opportunity, you really got to stand out. You really got to do something to, to, to prove not only to me, but to the world that you, you can be world heavyweight champion. You can beat me. Um, and that, that message goes not just for, for all the wrestlers, but I'm talking about all the wrestlers and all the other companies. Um, everybody keeps talking about this forbidden door. Um, I'm a Harley race guy. There was never a forbidden door. The door's always been open. If, if you think you can beat me, you think you can be the world heavyweight champion, <clears throat> sign your ass up to the ticket. And we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll go head to head and we'll see, we'll see who the tougher man is at the end of the day. Again, I'm not here because I'm pretty. I'm not here because I talk well. I'm here because I kick ass and I can take an ass whipping. And uh, it's going to take a real tough man to be able to take this world title from me. So obviously, you know, you got a lot on your plate. You've got uh, autograph signs, you said. You got Mike Knox. When is the next NWA title defense? Or should we, or should we expect to uh, have any sort of announcement as far as that i'm not sure that that comes down um that's the one thing that i don't have any control over i can give my opinion um but that comes down to the nwa and billy corrigan um i know that they've had several meetings about i i'm i'm going to have a title defense coming up um i think that i think they've narrowed down to who my next opponent will be um, I'm just waiting to hear back from them. Um, I also have some other title defenses coming out on the independent scene, but I want to wait for another week or two before I bring that up. Um, I'm that those are the only things I'm in control of when it comes to that. Right. Uh, but when it comes to the off of, of who I'm going to be fighting next, I'm <clears throat> that's the only thing and I, I, I have no control over. Um, and, and that's, I feel like that's the burden as world champion because before this, I could decide who I wanted to fight and who I didn't want to fight. Whereas now, um, I have to fight who they put in front of me. Like I can't, I can't say no. You know what I mean? And that's, that's also what I want to represent too. You know what I mean? I, I know we've talked about Harley a lot in this, but that's who he was, and that's who I want to be. Um, I remember hearing stories about him walking in to a WWE locker room. And sliding his his Halliburton with the world title in it, sliding it down the middle of the locker room to Hulk Hogan, going, "If you think you can fucking beat me, you beat me. Well, hit me me out in the ring." And that's how I feel about it. Across the board, if you think if everybody thinks they're a tough guy until they meet one, and that's that that's straight up. That's real life. Um, 
you, you, you're going to have to go through hell and high water to, to take this world title from me. And, and again, if, if you feel like if you, if you've earned this opportunity, I'm more than willing to give it to you, but that decision isn't up to me. Again, I can make, I can make suggestions and give my opinions. Uh, but when it comes to who I fight for that world title, it's up to the office. I love that Harley Hogan, like little mini feud that they had. They had some great oh, matches. Man. Yeah. Good That's- stuff. Yeah. Harley made sure to remind Hogan who the badass was in that ring. And uh, we all got to do business sometimes, but just remember, you know, who's doing business for who. Right. Absolutely. So any dream matches though, for NWA title, like guys you could think of like, man, I'd love to face this guy or love this guy to get a title shot. There's one guy that I've wrestled. I wrestled in WWE, but really didn't get the opportunity to kind of dig into um, is Dustin Rhodes. I want Ooh. I want to wrestle Dustin Rhodes for the NWA World Title. I want to um, I want to see if I can pull the old Dustin Rhodes out and, and see if I can take him to the limits. And uh, if I maybe you know I, I may regret this, you know what I mean. Um, but I feel like if I can if I can beat Dustin, a guy who's got so much history and tradition and so much love for the business and so intelligent when it comes to being inside that ring, um, I really feel like I will have done something in this business, especially as world champion. Man, that would be awesome. I didn't even think about Dustin. That would be great because a few weeks ago, he's wrestling Brian Danielson and he looks like he's 20 years younger. It's like, Oh my God, he's turning back the clock again. Like he did against Cody. I mean, that'd be awesome if he turned back the clock against you and, uh, maybe if we, uh, match. maybe if we put it out in the universe, Yes. Maybe if the universe talks about it enough, maybe we can we can bring these two companies together for one night and uh, tear down the roof, tear down the house. Tony Khan, AEW, Billy Corgan, NWA, make it happen. It'd be great. Yeah, man. So one final question. Can you explain the rules of the Dup Cup? Can you explain that <laughs> to me? <laughs> no, I I can't. To be honest with you, there was like 30 of the Sons of Bitches. Uh-huh. And then we, we made up half of them the, the day of. Uh, one of them was like I do remember, like when I was there, stand up. I had to be scared of midgets. I'm yes. this guy who's willing to take on the biggest guy in the room, but midgets freak me out. And uh, I remember having a conversation with Vince Russo going over to Japan for my first tour, and uh, I explained to him, you know, three weeks before I was going to leave, you know, and he was super happy. You know, he's like, "Thank you, Trevor. Now we can write you out, so we can write you back in when you come back." And um, well, I think we're going to have you scared of, of midgets. And, uh, I remember doing a promo next to a trash can. And this was my ending shot of stand up. Uh, this midget Tio, I think it was popped up out of the trash can. And, uh, I freaked out and started running into a locked door, but like where most people would run into it and realize it's locked. I just kept running back and I mean, back into it, trying to get out, you know, and in the ending shots, me busting through the door and and running out and stand up was never to be heard of again. Um, (laughs) There was, well, there was one where I had, I could use a horsey head to something on a pony and hit somebody. It was, it was some crazy shit. And the reason why they left the board up there, was so that we could look because there were so many rules we had to actually look up at the board to remember what a rule was so we could do it in the match yeah 
That I mean, it was crazy. It, it too much. A little convoluted there, Russo. Come on. It was a tough day. <laughs> but before we let you go, where can we find you? All your plugs and everything else you got going on. Uh, guys, make sure I'm on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter at the Real T Murdoch. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm actually verified there. Uh, I actually have my first shirt ever that I've ever had in the business on collar and elbow, uh, Trevor Murdoch. And it has the saying with a uh, sweet little picture of me. Uh, everybody's a tough guy until they meet one. And uh, I, I think it's a pretty badass shirt. Please go to collar and elbow and, and check it out, guys. And, and please buy a T-shirt. I'm very proud of it. Awesome stuff. Great shirt, Trevor. Thank you so much for all the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>